Amen. Amen. I greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Without waste of time, let us turn our Bibles. <clears throat> Excuse me. To the book of Matthew 24. Matthew 24. From verse 23. Matthew 24, from verse 23. We found we can read it together. If anyone says to you, then behold. together. If anyone says to you, then behold. Here is the Christ. The Messiah. Or there he is. Do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise. What's happening? For they shall arise false Christ and false prophets. For they shall arise false Christ and false prophets. And, for, and shall show great signs and wonders. They shall show great signs and wonders. Folks, they will show great signs and wonders. So if you are looking for signs and wonders, there it is. In so much that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Amen. Behold, I've told you before. Okay, let's leave it there. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father. We are very much thankful this evening for the opportunity to come and serve you, dear God. We consider it to be a grand privilege. Many a people, I wonder, those that have crossed over onto the other side who were not prepared for their time of death, many of them are yearning that if I could hear the word one more time, if I could read one more scripture, listen to one more sermon, I would make the right decision to avoid where I am. But dear God, the irony of the time is those that have gone would want to come back and those that are here would take for granted the opportunity given to them. But dear God, let us not be in that manner. Let us approach this evening with some sense of insincerity understanding the time and the season in which we are and to identify the opportunity in this season, dear God. We know none of us deserved to be in church, but you made it possible by your grace that we should be here this evening to serve you. And for that, I personally would never take that for granted. And I believe many others here would never take that for granted. 
lot sometime. We wonder where would we be had we not met this message, if we not accepted this message, um, ways fail us to think what would have happened to us, dear God. But we thank you for your grace as we commit the reading of the word to you. Bless your people, anoint my lips, and dear God, anoint their ears that when we leave from this place, let it not be a manly activity, let it be a godly activity as we commit all things to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we take... Amen. Excuse me. Well, this evening I just want us to speak on a few minutes on uh, what I would call the the honing age. Honing as in sharpening age. Amen. Uh, honing it just means sharpening. Your pencil, it's thicker at the back, but when it comes to the tip point, it becomes a haunt. Are we together? So I just want to speak about the honing age. Maybe if the brothers can bring something there for me so that I can just give you a sense of what I'm talking about. Brother Brenham, while you are looking at the pyramid there, uh, he says in this message, the Feast of the Trumpets, paragraph 110, he says, like the pyramid, how it comes in the minority all the time, from the great white, from the great white. Are we together? This is more wider. And as you go higher, it becomes sharper. I don't know whether, do you see what I'm talking about? He says, like the pyramid, how it comes in the minority all the time. From the great white, from Luther, Wesley, Pentecost, then the capstone in the top of it is so haunt. So that means as it comes nearer there, it becomes a haunt to feed the capstone. What does it mean? The number will get fewer and fewer as we go towards the end. Are you still with me? It says each one of those stones are so perfectly put together, and we don't know yet how they did it, but it's so perfectly put together in that pyramid. So that was what I want to bring out this evening in terms of saying as the days go by, the number will get fewer and fewer. It will not be as wide as in the first age. The second age is slightly got uh, uh, narrower, got narrower and narrower and narrower, and in the end time, it is very, very narrow. Amen. We're not looking for a nation to repent. We are not looking for big organizations to repent. 
we are looking for individuals to repent at this hour. So we are coming into a state where it is an individual affair. Brother Branham says in this message, the unveiling of God, paragraph 2-2, when he introduced this subject right at the beginning, he says, now my subject this morning, I trust that God will reveal this. And each time, if you do take the tapes and listen, if you do take the tapes and listen, and I hope and trust that you have had a spiritual understanding of, of that, what God has been trying to get over to the church without saying it right, right out. There's something that God is trying to say to the church without clearly spelling it out. Why? It, it may be in parables, but the main thing is that it needs to be caught by revelation. Are we together? Now, he says, it's a thing. Sometimes we have to say things in such a way that it might thin down. It might bring some to go out, some to leave, some to ponder over it. But that's done purposely. It must be done that way. You catch what the prophet is saying? He says, things that are being spoken to the church without clearly spelling it out, they've got to be caught by revelation. But it says we've got to say certain things in such a certain way that it might, thin, it might thin it down and bring some to go out and some to live and some to ponder over, but it's done purposely. And if you remember and you need a scripture, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you are unworthy of me. What was Christ trying to do? He was trying to thin it down. And in the end time, the prophet comes. He is interacting with the business, uh, 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 a group of business, gospel businessmen. But he comes to the point, he says, I can't hold myself anymore. Trinity is of the devil. What was trying to do? The whole thing had to be thinned down. And even in the end time, the whole thing has got to be thinned down. What is happening? We've got to remain with the right material. Are we together? Maybe just to explain what I mean by that, when you've got a, a cloth and you want to design a skirt, you're going to cut a pattern from that cloth. The whole cloth is not going to be a skirt, but the only a part that fits the pattern will become what we call a skirt, and the rest will be the remnants. Are we together? So at this point in time, God is extracting a pattern, a bridal pattern, and there will be remnants, and the remnants will be made of the same material that makes the dress, but I'm glad of the people that are part of the pattern. Are you still with me? I hope we are together here. Now, are you able to read there, or is this font is smaller? Is it fine? Is it fine? All right. Amen. I want us to, to, to be a participative uh, or interactive session here. Shall we read it together? Three things lay before you right now. To you tonight, there are three things that are laying before you. First, the world is in Sodom condition. Do we agree that the world is in a Sodom condition? 
Hallelujah. Jesus said it would happen. Look at the perversion. Our women trying to act like men. And our men trying to act like women. Uh, brothers, yeah, I think we need to put it to, I don't put anybody on the spot. Brother Bram say a brother must not wear a pink shirt. That's the quotation. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen on that? Yes, go and punch it on your computer. It is there. Uh, you, if you had a pink shirt, maybe you did not know, but you've got to find a minister that tells you that. Yes, pink shirt attracts a sissified spirit. Thou says my prophet. Oh, some never heard about that before. How many have read that quotation? Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I just uh, caused a problem in some wardrobes there. You'll just bear with me. Amen. All right. Our men trying to act like women. Now we see them in this, uh, even in, in even in message cycles these days, they 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 hold the mic, cell singing, and do the hand like this. We see those things, brothers. It's a it's a wrong spirit. The homosexual. When you're a, when you are a man, be a man. Speak like a man. Walk like a man. Conduct yourself like a man. Dress like a man. Can we get an amen on that one? Amen. amen. Sissified. Rotten. Rotten. Filthy. Filthy. Low down. Low down. Devil, possessed. Devil possessed. And don't even know it. The Bible says that it would happen. That's where it's at. This is the first locality in terms of the three things that lay before us. The world is in Sodom. Now, let's put it this way. I believe you are not in Sodom tonight. I believe that you are not in Sodom tonight. Hallelujah. Secondly, it's in that hour, according to the scripture here, that Janice and Jambres appears. This is the second locality that is before the people. The first thing, the world is in Sodom. The second thing, according to the scripture, Janice and Jambres appear, which tells you that this is a religious environment. Thirdly, it's in that same hour that the Son of Man is to be revealed. This is the third locality. Are we together? There is your believer, which is in the third where the revelation of the Son of Man is taking place. Your make believer, which is happening in the realm of Janice and Jambres, and your unbeliever which is happening in the Sodom condition. There's going to be 
attention. There's going to be a pressure point. There's going to be a constantation or a contention. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be conflicts. There's going to be different kinds of opinions simply because people do not operate in the same realm. Are you here? Janice and Jambres would have never been there unless Moses was first on the scene. Their ministry, it is an impersonation ministry. Are you still with me, people? Now, Brother Bram says in the end time, all these things are right before us. Now, let's put it this way. He says, first, it's in the same hour that the Son of Man is to be revealed. The revelation of the Son of Man cannot take place in an environment where Janice and Jambres operate. The revelation of the Son of Man cannot take place in a sodomic condition. So what is happening? It tells you that these three locations, this one, it is not dangerous because it is a realm of unbelievers. They dressed in an un- showing that they are unbelievers. They talk like unbelievers, live like unbelievers. The most dangerous one, it is going to be this one of Janice and Jambres. Brother Brenham says, the, of all the spirits, the most dangerous spirit, it's a religious spirit. This will be anointed with religious spirit. And remember, when we say impersonation or Janice and Jambres, when Moses uh, threw the rod on the ground and it turned into a serpent, they as well threw their rod on the ground and they turned into a serpent, not a rubber serpent. That means if Moses was able to do signs and wonders, Janice and Jambres could do signs and wonders. But these ones are not vindicated by the pillar of fire. Are you, are you still with me? Amen. Brother Bram says, there they are. And we can take it further. We're going to come to some of the things that I want to read here. When you check this, you can actually even show it in terms of the pattern of the tabernacle where we said you entered from the east and you came, you find the brazen altar where the sacrifice was to be laid and you confessed your sins and you come where there was a, a, a lava where they, they, they washed themselves which represented cleansing and forgiveness. Then you came into a state of worship. However, this was not the end. You had to come and have a personal encounter with the Shekinah glory. So, what is going to happen today, and I, I want to 
provoke a sense of diligence on your part. People, even young ones, can see that there are people that are in the message that are not living right. There are people that are in the message that are not living right. And there are people that are in the message that are trying their best to live right. And there are people that are in the message that are living right. Now, if, if you are going to use a crowd, and I'm going, to, I'm going to bring it closer, even if you are going to use a minister's family, as a standard, pastors, are, pastors' families are struggling with the same demons that your families are struggling with. That is why it is naive, it is irresponsible, it is ignorant to watch what a pastor's child does and use it as a barometer. Amen. Amen. And actually, we've got to say these, these things for what they are. The first thing that you see that a minister has fallen once she's family. I'll repeat the statement. The first thing that you watch that a minister has fallen, watch his family. Because Brother Bram says, when a minister has got a big boat, how can you run the house of the Lord when you fail to run your own house? Can I get an amen on that? I, I, I know I know it's making you uncomfortable and deliberately so I want you to be uncomfortable. Because if you are going to use a man as a standard, you're going to fall short. This is a time of a household affair. This is a time, furthermore, for an individual affair. And a young person, if you go down the road and you see a sister that have been claimed to be in the message for a long time and you find them in a horrible condition and they still go to a message church, don't ever dare and want to pattern yourself after that. They may be in the message, but they may be operating in the realm of Janice and Jambres, where it is just a religious activity driven by a religious spirit. The, the bride is going to be fewer. I will repeat that. The bride is going to be fewer. And somebody said, Pastor, are you not discouraging the people? No. A genuine seat is sitting there says, if there are five people that are going to be genuine, me definitely, I'm going to be part of the five. Are we together? Are you still with me? Let's, let's read something here because we have just read. We'll come on to these things. <clears throat> Brother Branham says in this message, unbelief does not hinder God. He says, and I've read this quotation, this quotation is one thing that I would want you to keep at the top of your mind at all times. In the last days, what, what is going to take to stand is a scriptural trained church. I want to repeat that till all of you say amen to that. 
In the last days, what is going to take to stand is a scriptural trained church. Amen. Brother Branham says, not a church that follows a certain man, but a church that is scripturally trained on the line, for there is going to be carnal impersonations rise. The Bible said, as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses, so will this mean of reprobate mind concerning the truth. And Jesus was the truth. Are we together? So it is going to take a scripturally trained church to withstand the Janice and Jambres in this hour. Let me carry on with this. Brother Bram says, three kinds of believers, paragraph 185. And this message of the hour that we are now enjoying. I hope you're enjoying the message of the hour. <laughs> Hallelujah. I hope it's not a duty to leave the message of the hour. I hope it just comes because it is your nature. If it is by circumstances, folks, it is difficult to do something based on your effort. And in this message of the hour that we are now enjoying, the presence of God, the latter day, the evening time when the lights are shining and the things that's being opened up, the way to vindicate it and proved it to be the truth, both prophesied, comes to pass. All through scientific and everything proved that it is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a man walked out on that. He's an unbeliever. Did you hear what he said? I want to repeat this so that you hear. This message that we enjoy, which is the presence of God in the latter days, in the evening time where the lights are shining and things have been opened up, which are the seals, and the way it is vindicated and proved to be the truth, and prophecies and everything came to pass, and through scientific and everything proved that it is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a man walked out on that. He's an unbeliever. Are yes. uh, you still with me? He is, prophet continues, he is beyond hopes. If a man leaves this message, and it may sound like, we, we are using fear to coerce the people. That is not the case. You have the free moral agency to choose whether to worship God or not to worship God. But when you walk out of this message that we are enjoying, that has been proven and vindicated, and you walk out on that, my prophet says, you are an unbeliever. And he's beyond hopes. He's numbed by the power of Satan. So there is no hopes for him. He is beyond hopes. Are you still with me? Amen. Amen. Let's continue. The people that have left and insulted the message or blasphemed the message, no more hope. Jesus says, if you blaspheme me, there will be forgiveness. But if you blaspheme the comforter when he cometh, there will not be any forgiveness. Hallelujah. And I know you think that somebody that blasphemed the Holy Ghost, it is somebody that comes and says, 
Hey, brother William Brenham was a false prophet. No, say. There are people that blaspheme the Holy Spirit by telling their pastors and making them the demigods. We see it in the message cycles. There is an assembly where if they come and greet people, they say, I greet with you in the name of Pastor so-and-so. When they pray, when they come to the end of the prayer, they say, we ask in the name of Pastor so-and-so. They are hell-bound. I've got no better way to put it. They and their pastor, unless they repent, they have blasphemed the Holy Ghost. We are not, even Brother Brenham, we are not called to worship Brother Brenham. Brother Brenham was a messenger. We cannot worship the messenger. We worship the one that the messenger sent. Are you still with me, people? Amen. Amen. And how blind people can be. Now, he continues in the very same message, Three Kinds of Believers. Paragraph 186, he says, now, this is what? The believer. Now, the unbeliever, now the third class we are speaking about is the make-believer. He says, that's the boy, the make-believer. Now, remember, in there stood all three. Now we find now they do just exactly like their father does Judas. There was Peter and the rest of the apostles, believers. Peter was a believer. The rest of apostles were believers. There was the 70 unbelievers. There was Judas hung right on. He was a make-believer. What do they do? This is the kind that holds on until they can find something, a fault in it. They are looking every time to find a loophole and see how it's done, see if it's a trick, if it's a gimmick. They are waiting to be sold out. They are looking for that. And right here, I want to put it this way. Brother Brenham was not an American evangelist. Brother Brenham was not just an American preacher. Brother Brenham was God's mouthpiece in the end time. And I can take it further and say Brother Brenham's message is the arbiter in the final age. When we say something is the arbiter, that means it's something that settles all the matters. That means it is something that we deem to be the last resort. Why am I putting putting it like that? It is because if he was an American minister, an American minister, we can debate with them. Are we we together? We've got great ministers like your likes of Brother Ed Biscal, Johnny Reagan, Tim Prout, Richard Yorker, all you name of them. All of them, they are human, with human weaknesses, with mistakes, that they can be corrected by their counterparts. But William Brenham was not in that league. He's higher than that. What am I saying? William Brenham did not have a counterpart in this age. There is no person that you can say, hey, William Brenham, you go and correct William Brenham. Who would have corrected Moses during the time of Moses except God himself? Who would have corrected Joshua as God, except God himself? 
who will correct you? William Branham except God himself. I, I as a pastor can be corrected by any person that say, Pastor, I think they, we need to look into it and maybe if you have a look at it for the second time, maybe you might see it differently and I might see it differently and I might turn around and say, listen, I really apologize. It, I did not suppose, I was not meant to put it that way. But the prophet can never be subjected to a debate. Can I get an amen on that one? A brother said, Brother Junior Jackson, when Brother Branham came to introduce how gifts should operate at Branham Tabernacle, Brother Junior Jackson, the one that dreamed a dream. Let me put it this way. A dream does not mean anything if it contradicts the word of God. A dream, Brother Bram said, it is a secondary means of communication from God. The primary communication of God is the weight. And the weight only comes to the prophet. So a dreamer can never be higher than a prophet. No matter how genuine the dream was. When Brother Branham came to introduce how gifts should operate, Brother Junior Jackson would know. He rejected that and said, Brother Branham is trying to restrict the operation of the Holy Spirit. And he refused that, that he will never do it in his church. Now, Brother Junior Jackson and Brother Branham are not on equal basis. Brother Branham is higher than Junior Jackson. Because Brother Branham is the prophet. I'd rather not go with what Junior Jackson says, but I'd rather go with what Malachi 4 says. Because why? God sent Malachi 4. And any other person is just the part of the five. I don't know whether, do you hear where I'm going with this, folks? Don't reduce the dispensational office of the prophet. This prophet cannot be subjected to human scrutiny where we update some of the things that he has said and we say we need to improve them. The message, the way it was left, it is enough. And if people cannot, God is not going to cut the message to suit you. God is going to cut you to suit the message. Are you still with me? And while it, I'd rather say, even Brother Levi, the one that wrote the Seven Church Age book, is not on equal basis with Brother Brenham. He is under Brother Brenham. I, I can name. You know why I'm going there? Because some people would want to use their proximity to the prophet to say, I can bring a better interpretation. It does not matter if a man hunted with a prophet a man shared jokes with the prophet. If what he brings is not in line with what the messenger has already said, we are obligated to reject it. Amen. Folks, there is no better way. And what we are looking for in this hour is a certain degree of protestation from people to protest against anything 
that is contrary to the word of God. Remember, the, the Protestants, the reason they were called Protestants is because they were protesting about against what Catholic was introducing to the people. Martin Luther was a Protestant. And today, we need the genuine Protestants. The people that say, he never said it like that, we're not going to accept it like that. Are you still with me? Now, he continues, Brother Brum. He says, the unbeliever, he doesn't even wait around. He condemns it and walks out. The believer, no matter what happens, he believes it. The believer, folks, no matter what happens, he believes it. Anyhow, for is the weight of God. There is three classes. Are you still with me? Amen. Amen. Now, Brother Brenham says something very striking here. When we speak about false anointed ones in the end time, Brother Brenham says the anointing is genuine, but the vessel is false. And he says these people will come and do signs and wonders. Those that are message readers would know the Beatles, whenever they went around on their music campaign, which was an evil music, wherever they went, the inspiration that their music brought, Brother Bram says people were throwing their crutches, getting healed by rock and roll music. So if rock and roll can heal a person, and you are basing your faith based on signs and wonders, that means you can follow the Beatles and think that you are worshipping God. And furthermore, gifts and callings are without repentance. These people will go, they will do signs and wonders. They will say, Christ is on this side. The Bible says, don't go there. Why? It says, the kingdom of God is already in you. Are we together? So that means the people that are going to overcome in this hour, and let me put it, put it this way. Those that are going to be not deceived in this hour are those whose their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Any other person whose name is not there, no matter is a preacher, no matter is a pastor, no matter is a deacon, no matter is an elder, as long as their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, they are going to be deceived. Are you still with me? Brother Brenham says, and says something here in the message, the leadership, paragraph 162, he says, the choice of your conduct, you can't mix it now. You are either for God or against God. You are either for God or against God. But a lot of preachers, we want to come in the middle and say, it can be in between. Brother Brenham says, there's nothing in between. He says, you are either for God or against God. The outward expression shows exactly what's on the inside. Can I repeat this? The outward expression shows exactly what's on the inside. Many of you think, I've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to heaven. That doesn't mean one thing, that you are going to heaven. No, sir. You can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost every hour in your life and still be lost and go to hell. 
Did you understand the gravity of that statement? Holy Ghost every hour and still be lost and go to hell. What does Brother Brenham say? Because we assume that once you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you are heaven bound. How can you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and end up in hell? Let's come up to this one. And we have said it many a times in this church. If we say you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost every hour, the question, second question would be, in what realm? Because we have said many a times, if the baptism of the Holy Ghost is on the body, you can be baptized on the body every hour and still go to hell. You can be baptized with the Holy Spirit in your spirit every hour and still go to hell. The main goal, the Holy Ghost has got to have a target. And the target must be your soul. Are you still here, people? That means we want God to to heal our bodies. We want God to, to come and heal the lame. And, and heal the deaf, and heal everybody else that is sick. But that is a body realm. We want everybody that is despondent, people that are discouraged, people that have got contrition in their spirit, to be healed in the spirit so that they can have the joy of salvation. But still, if it is only touching here, you can go to hell. But when, it, when the Holy Ghost comes in contact with your soul. They, let me hear, say it. There is nothing that happens here on earth that will separate you from God. If it is in the body, things will happen, it will separate you from God. If it is in the spirit, things will happen, it will separate from God. But when it baptizes your soul, God has got no oops moment. He cannot save you today and tomorrow say it was a mistake. He saves you eternally. Now, here's the danger part of it. There's going to be people that are going to be anointed by the Holy Spirit in the spirit realm. Some in the body realm. They will pray for the sick people. Sick people will walk out of the wheelchair. The church will rejoice. Everybody will rejoice. They will say, God is in our midst. And after that, they will deny the weight. But yet they will have signs and wonders. There will be those that will be anointed in the spirit. Musicians, hear me. They will sing great songs. How many have ever heard Elvis Presley sing Amazing Grace? He can put a lot of message people to shame. He can reduce the church to tears. But Brother Brenham said, despite how his music was blessed, he is a modern day Judas Iscariot. So if you judge things based on the naked eye, you are going to be deceived. You've got to judge things based on what is happening in the soul realm. And how do you judge what is happening in the soul realm? The outward expressions reflect what is on the inside. Because the soul 
is the control tower. That is where you are being controlled from. And whatever controls here expresses itself from outside. Are we together? Let me go back this year. In the second court, they came in here. There was a, the, the seven candlesticks. There was the shoe bread. It was a, it was a realm of worship. But Brother Branham said, coming here, it was a problem because the candles ran out. He says, when you are outside, the sun went through the clouds. And at some point in time, it was cloudy. And we are beginning to see people that are in the message, but they are experiencing a cloudy environment. The joy that they had is no longer there anymore. And if there are people that are in the second court, do you allow me to preach, folks? Folks, if it is Wednesday and believers are gathered in a Wednesday church, but uh, some believer somewhere, he sees it as an opportunity to go to gym. <laughs> help me understand. Amen. Just help me, my brother say, oh. <laughs> And then I get a, nye, 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 nye. <laughs> Outward expression shows what is on the inside. This, this, you know, this is, the, this is the season where it is a dangerous season because this is a season where people are sensitive. But yet it is a season that where the truth must be preached so that people are given an opportunity. Why? I've seen those that we normally recently baptized, they never miss church. But after some time, people just say, it's not a big deal. What is happening? Something must have happened today. When you are in the third court, you have a revival daily. Uh, Do you hear me? A revival daily. You wake up, you've got a quotation for the day. You wake up, you've got a scripture for the day. You wake up, you've got a song for a day. Your tears are streaming down your cheeks. You say, God, I thank you that I'm the product of your grace. Every day you are full of gratitude. And you say, God, where would I be had you not called me? Then over time, formality creeps in. Motions creep in. And it becomes business as usual. Right at that spot, that's where the devil begins to take advantage. A young man asked me and said, Pastor, send me a note. Say, Pastor, we have been in church for long. Uh, it, can't we have something else? I say, well, what do you mean something else? They say, we know all the scriptures. We know all the quotations. We have heard all the preaching. Can't, can't they just be something I say, young man, you are right in the state where Sister Eve was. She had the weight, but she was looking for something new. And that new thing is what led us into the mess. Well, what, why? Why is the young man, although he's in the message, he has had message after message, why is he not settled in the spirit? Something is wrong. 
Why is he look, what is he looking for? What kind of vapor boom is he looking for? And when you go in and check, the question would be, the young man, has he fully surrendered himself to the weight? How many have been in the message for 10 years? Over 10 years? Amen. My, my brother Nathan is raising his hand as well. As, <laughs> amen. How many have been in the message for 10 years? More than 10 years. Can you, can you leave your hands in the air? More than 10 years. Leave them in the air. I'm not going to put you under spot. How many of you that have been here more than 10 years, you still consider it to be a joy to identify with this message? How many, and, and, and mean it, how many of you still have a joy of salvation? When I say a joy of salvation, folks, I'm not referring to where we came to church and had a good song service. I'm referring to you you know, when, you, when you've got a joy, you are driving down the road, you are alone in the car. And all of a sudden, in your spirit, something just touches you in your spirit and tears stream down. And, and, and you wonder, and you say, God, we thank you for this message. We thank you for Malachi 4. We thank you for the life that you are living. May, may you be gracious that even our children can see what you are saying. We are talking about the joy of salvation. Because just being in church is not a joy of salvation. It is just the Spirit, Holy Spirit nudging you in the Spirit. And after church you have sing a nice song I feel the pool. But when we check you in the streets the life of the song is not in your life. Are you still with me? I hope we are together. Now, Brother Brenham says, or maybe to redeem time. Brother Brenham says, I'll paraphrase this. Brother Junior Jackson had a dream. And he says, in the dream, they were at the top of a bald mountain. There was no grass there. And he says there was a stone. And Brother Brenham took out a crowbar and hit the stone. And he says uh, uh, there was a, something like a shape of a pyramid. Brother Brenham says, Brother Brenham interpreted Brother Junior Jackson's dreams where he saw a long, great, grassy hill. Water had washed all the soil off the top. It had become rock like a bald top of a mountain. Then in this rock there was a funny writing. And the dream said, I was standing there with all the brethren from all the churches interpreting this handwriting, in this writing. Then when it came to the time that I got all of it interpreted, then somehow a hold of something like a crowbar and just cut the top of that mountain out and lift it up. And on the inside of it was a white rock. Something on the order of granite or something on that side. Some white rock that wasn't written on. I said to the brethren, stay here and look in on this. While they were all looking, I slipped out from among them and started going west. 
And brother Jackson said that he saw me going over one hill, then another hill, getting smaller and smaller. He said, look upon this, light has never come upon it. And when all of them got up, I told them to watch that. And all of them come up to that, to look there. And he said, they were looking. He looked out of the corner of, of, of his eye, and I believe it was, and watched me. And I slipped off to one side and started going towards the west, towards the setting of the sun. And he said, while they were looking there, he said, then the brethren turned around after a while and said, did he vanish? Where did he go? And said, some took that way, some took that way, and some another. But a very few stayed on to look at what I had told them. Folks, do you hear? This is a big number. Brother Lem takes a crowbar. He hits that mountain. And it says right here, there was a stone with nothing written on. The light had never shone on that stone. And it says to the people, look on this rock. What is that rock? Christ. Because it's the rock of ages. But it says, then I moved away. As I moved away, the brethren started looking around and said, the prophet is no longer around. One group took this way. Another group took that way. Another group took that way. Only a few people remain looking on the rock. What does it mean in the end time? People will leave. People will follow isms. But there is going to be a predestinated group of people that will keep on looking at what Malachi 4 has already said. They will be fewer in number, but they will be impactful. I want to put it this way. He says, I had a preview of the bride. He says, the voice is said, there cometh the bride. And it says they were coming there, seeing onward Christian soldiers, sisters with long hair, sisters with long dresses, as they were moving there. He says, I was watching them. And I say, oh, how wonderful it is. And it says, then they disappear. Then the voice said, there comes the bride of different nations. And it says, nation after nation, they came looking vulgar. And it says, the last one that came, it was Mrs. America. And say, she had absolutely nothing except a fig tree. And he says, I could not look. He says, I cried. And say, Oral Roberts was in America. Moved from state to state, preaching the gospel. Uh, Bill Graham was in America. Tommy Osborne, all of them. Is this what we have produced? Brother Bram said, my heart was broken. But the voice said, there cometh the bride once again. And it says that they were coming there. And as they were moving around, I kept on watching at them. As they were moving, I realized that at the end, there were a couple that went off the line. And I screamed at the top of my voice, stay in the line, stay in the line. And the vision left me. And I'm saying, Brother Brenham never saw what happened today. What happened to that portion of the bride that was not in the line. But there's one thing that I've got to say to you. I'm not here as a, as a pessimistic. I'm here to tell you that. That portion of the bride where that brother says, stay in the line. And he says, they were right at the end. It was the last group. It is referring to this group. And I'm saying, this bride, brother Brahma said, she shall never be deceived. 
but there's got to be people that carry the voice of the prophet and tell this remaining group, stay in the line, stay in the line until the people come back to the line. What does it mean, young sisters? If we speak about dressing, we're not trying to get back at you. Brother Rum says, they had long? They had long what? Sisters, they had long? Not short. I see young ones, they are taking the picture of the Brenham family with them wearing a, a skirt just below the knees. And they say, this is the prophet. Brother Brenham's family was not a standard. The message is the standard. If Brother Branham's family is the standard, do sisters have got to go and bang the door on the brother's face the way Sister Mida did? We cannot use certain things that were not perfect in Brother. Brother Branham said, you don't know how Mida and I struggle with Rebecca. Says we can't get it right at all times. Joseph comes and he, 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 he says, are we going to use that as a barometer? No, sir. Brother Brandon had a challenge as much as we have a challenge. And as he overcame, we've got to overcome. Amen. And I say, sisters, take the dresses a little bit further down. Make, it, make the skirts a little bit fluffy. They must not tie you. To represent an organic bride that feeds on organic weight. Amen. And I said, it's not only the sisters only, brothers these days, as well with uh, the college skinny jean. Amen. Amen. Mm. Are we together? Amen. We don't want to go there, brothers, but the same spirit is attacking both genders. Why? What am I saying, folks? We've got to remain vigilant. And how do we remain vigilant? Be a scripturally trained church that does not move by every wind of doctrine that is anchored in Christ that they know what they have believed and they don't move from what they have believed. Are you still with me? And these gimmicks that are beginning to come into the message my advice to you, stay away from them. Isms have come, have become wasms. Even the isms of today, tomorrow will become wasms. And uh, even behind this pulpit, I'm very, very carefully listening. And I'm not only listening behind this pulpit, behind many pulpits. I want to check. If a man preaches, even if we were to invite any minister, does he believe? that Brother Branham's message is the absolute in the age. If he does not believe that, he is not going to preach in our church. Did you hear me? If he, thinks, if he thinks there is the message and there is the Bible, then there is a problem right there. Because the message, it is the Bible in a revealed form in the end time. You cannot reject the message and accept the Bible. If somebody tells you that, no, the message is not the absolute. The message was pointing us to the Bible. He's telling you that the message is something secondary. And if it is something secondary, that means that it's an addition. The message is not the addition. The message is the Bible. Yes. And as I say, 
Brother Brenham, there is a, there is a disease that has been discovered recently with the election of Donald Trump in America. It's a very special disease. They call it whataboutism. Whataboutism, it simply means if you tell a person, it's, it's a technique that if you, if you tell something about, if you, if you bring an accusation or a point, somebody says, oh, I hear your point. But what about this? We call it what aboutism. So that means every time Donald Trump, they say, hey, Donald, why are you doing say, say what about Obama, uh, Barack Obama? Or uh, what aboutism? So what aboutism, if I bring it in the Christian realm, is when we can begin to say the drunkards will not enter heaven. And some will say, but gee, what about when Jesus turned wine into, uh, water into wine? You see, he is not dealing with the matter. He wants to move from something else. And people are beginning to suffer in the message from what about him? You tell them that the prophet said this, he says, but what about? No, say. And when they say what about, they want to bring a contradiction so that it can rob the credibility of what is being advanced. A young person, you tell them, let's dress right. But what about church so-and-so they do that? That's the spirit of what aboutism. Don't suffer from that. He says to them, he says, a man must never leave his wife. They say, but what about the time when Moses gave them a letter of divorcement? Today, message people, when you tell them about what the code Brother Bram said, they say, but what about as if that one must be neglected and be refused. No, say, they must adaptate. Don't suffer from what about is it? As we stand up. How many believe Brother Brenham is the final voice in the final age? Amen. Amen. Some people are imagining being in the time of Moses and they left Egypt and Moses said, we go through the Red Sea. Some would have been easily punched on their navigator and say, there is a shorter route. This one is more longer. This one is more shorter with few tall gates. You don't debate with the prophet. When he says, there we go, even if there is no way, God will make a way. Don't ever diminish the stature of Malachi 4. If we diminish his stature and diminish his message, we become Pentecostals that are just living right. Amen. Give us a worshiping song. Be
Yes, gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful this evening for this message in the end time, dear God. Where would we be had it not been of this message? Where would we be had it not been of this prophet messenger? The Bible says to him, much is given, much shall be required. Dear God, we have been given the best thing in the end time, and as a result, there is going to be an accountability that is going to be required from us that what have we done about what we were given, dear God. May you be gracious to your children this evening. You know them, you know their battles, dear God. You know all the challenges that they face. And dear God, to this age, it is no easier than any other age, dear God. It has become more difficult because the demons that we fight against in the end time are more vicious than the demons of the yesteryear. But dear God, I believe that the Holy Ghost is here to fight the battles for the believers, to make them to be the overcomers, dear God. Our greatest desire, help us not to mingle with the realm of Janus and Jambres, dear God. Signs and wonders will take place, but dear God, they must never take us away from the vindicated weight that has been brought forth by the prophet of the hour. There's going to be enticing spirits, but dear God, be gracious that we must never be enticed by those spirits. We rebuke any spirit that would want to bring a distraction to the bride. We do not want to be distracted in any way. Our focus, dear God, as your prophet say, that third pole, it is the one that I'm living for. That is the main focus. Even this evening, dear God, let it be a focus of believers, dear God, to enter into the third room and to partake of the secret manner so that they move from glory to glory, from power to power, from revelation to revelation. Dear God, that even their joy of salvation should never in any way be diminished, dear God. Every day should be, oh God, we thank you for everything that you have done for us, dear God. I commit them to you of what remains of the week. We don't know what challenges that are there, but dear God, be gracious to them. Make them to be overcomers until such time we meet again. Give us the traveling mercy as we'll be returning back to our homes, dear God. And we invite you to come and be a resident in our own household, dear God. As we commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can just give us a song till we see you on Sunday, 9 o'clock.
Amen.